are back. Welcome to our monthly podcast, A Call to Foster. My name is Shasta Miller, and I'm a field support manager with the Southeast Missouri Children's Division. And I'm Jessica Hudsep. I'm the Southeast Regional Resource Unit Supervisor. I'm very excited about this month's uh, episode. We have a very special guest. Um, not only is she special to Children's Division, but she um, has a, a, a journey that is different than just working for Children's Division. And uh, I'm excited to have her and I'm going to have her introduce herself. Hello, Shasta, Jessica. I'm Pam Austin, the Regional Director, um, Southeast Region Children's Division, but also a adoptive parent of uh, one of our kids who had been in foster care for 10 years. So here to talk about that today. That's amazing. It's very unique to have Pam on this episode. Um, not too often do we have our own children's division staff who who work, work with our families, um, but also see the other side of that. And um, she has a special um, connection with her son Emmett and um, let, we're just going to jump in. So, Pam, how did you, well, first, how long have you been with Children's Division? So, I've been with Children's Division about 24 years. I actually started in FSD for three, two, three years. So it, uh, and then, so 28 years total with the um, department. Wow. Amazing. How, yeah, how, many year, how many years were you in when you met Emmett? Like 10, 15. So I got, I got, so I got Emmett, uh, actually today is the anniversary of when I, uh, adopted Emmett. Scotch a day. Yay. Uh, he, Congratulations. Was, he was with me for nine years, uh, <laughs> and adopted him seven years ago. So, um, yeah, so today's gotcha day. It's a so, special day for us. It's a very special day. So, so Pam, what led you into wanting to become an adoptive parent. Okay, so when I came, I, I really wasn't looking to adopt, to be honest with you. I was um, I was doing a case review in the 42nd Circuit, and um, Emmett's case, I, I started reading it and, and saw that he had no one. He had no supports, uh, no one in his life, a permanent connection. So I thought I would just like to mentor. Mentor okay. a kid, uh, take him out to eat, check on his grades, just be someone he could call and talk to. Um, so when I looked into it, they had told me that there was an adoptive family looking at him. So I kind of backed out being with children's yeah. division, you know, we can't really be foster parents. We can right. adopt kids who are eligible, but can't be foster parents. So I backed out. So probably, I don't know, six months later, I go to a meeting and Emmett's Missouri Heart Gallery picture, someone placed it in my seat. And I said, who did this? Because yeah. this was the same kid that I had uh, inquired about six months ago. And they said, well, he looks like you. He looks like he could be your kid. Oh. Um, and so I'm like, is it the chubby cheeks? Like, what? what is it? <laughs> um, so I asked about the adoptive parents and they said that they had backed out and they didn't want to adopt him. So I thought, OK, well, I'll pick it back up and, and mentor him. So. I went, I made arrangements. I went to St. Louis to see him. And let me tell you, immediately when he opened the door and I looked in his eyes and I can still see it today, it was like an instant bond. I can't explain it. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't looking to adopt, but there was something in me that just, I don't know, lit a fire. So took him out that night to Dave and Buster's, took him back to his foster placement, went to the hotel and couldn't sleep. 
I couldn't sleep. I tossed and turned. I paced the floor. I sat on the edge of my bed. I prayed. I did everything. And like, what is this tugging at my heart? And so I'm like, can I go back the next day and see him? And they were like, yes. So I went back, uh, spent the whole next day with him. Uh, then the next weekend, I'm like, he's got to come visit me. So he came to visit me. Uh, and then the next week he came on spring break and he hasn't left since nice. uh, he's still in my home. So adoption, I'm just like, I don't want him to leave. Like I right. want him to be my son. And yeah. so that's, that's the way that happened. Wow. Um, I think, and thank you for sharing all that. I think, um, where you can see both sides of this, right? Like working for the agency, digging into case reviews, which for the audience, um, we typically will go through, um, each foster kiddos case and we'll make sure we're doing our job. Yeah. Um, and we do come across situations, many situations where our foster kids don't have anyone and, um, not everyone gets that opportunity, right? Our, our traditional foster homes typically don't work for children's division. And for those of you who don't know, uh, children's division staff cannot foster, um, because it's a conflict of interest and you know, that makes sense, but we can't adopt. Um, and, and, and I think most of us who work for children's division, right? We do this because we want to help families. We want to help children. Um, and you've seen both sides of it. Uh, I think, um, I would really love to hear about when you met Emmett and you knew there was that instant bond, right? Um, what did you learn about that experience that made you a better children's division leader? How much time do we have? Because there's a lot. Um, so I, <laughs> I give a presentation on my journey with Emmett and focus on several things. One is trauma. Trauma mm -hmm. that our yes. kids experience. Emmett went through 25 different foster homes and 15 yes. schools. And you talk, and that's not okay. Uh, not to say there weren't issues where he had to be moved, but twenty five is just is just too many. Yeah, pause there for a second because I want to do a, a shout out because I think that is typical, right? Maybe not that many placements, but because we have a lack of foster homes, the whole reasoning we're doing a call to foster podcast is we need more homes yep. so that we can prevent those yeah, disruptions and we can prevent trauma to a child when we have to move from foster home to foster home. So I had to just do that, do that plug. Yeah, absolutely. Because and, um, yeah, he, he'd been in many foster homes and I will say, you know, he was in some good ones. Uh, when he graduated, he had one of his first foster parents come to his graduation party. Uh, and, and that's meaningful. That was meaningful to him, uh, to have that memory. But, the, the presentation that I give focuses on the, the, the trauma that kids experience when they move. I also focus on medication uh, because you name a medication, my son was on it, a uh, big laundry list of them. Um, and then third is sibling separation. Like I'm a big advocate of um, sibling keeping siblings together. And this is why, because of my son's story, yeah. because, uh, he was separated from his uh, sister. And for many years, that's all he would ask. Even at his adoption hearing, uh, the judge said, you know, do you have any questions for me? And he immediately said, when can I see my sister? Yeah. Like, so, I, I just want to see her. So uh, Pam, at the time of when you met Emmett for mm -hmm. the first time, um, was his sister adopted already or 
What did that look like? Okay, so he had been placed in residential for a while uh, for an episode. And while he was in residential, he was in a placement with his sister and had been for many years. So he was placed in residential. And while he was in residential, um, his sister's foster home adopted her. And when they adopted her, they then would not take him back. So when they adopted her, then, of course, legally ties were cut unless the adoptive parents are willing um, to have him see her. And they were not at the time. Um, So I advocated for many years because I'm like, you know what? The sibling bond is the strongest and it's never going to be severed by legal legal piece of paper will not sever that. tie, Right. right. Um, So I wrote many letters saying, look how good he's doing. Like, we're not trying to cause problems. He's my son. I'm not trying to get you to take him. Uh, would you just let them meet? And it, it was no answer for many years until finally one day they uh, said, um, I had a, a worker who knew the foster parents said they're, they're ready for uh, their daughter to see Emmett. And it was an emotional reunion uh, to see and, them. And they reminisced for a long time yeah. about, you remember this or do you remember that? And so it was a, uh, uh, it was a great meeting and they, and they still have contact. Today. I was going to yeah, ask that. Absolutely. That's awesome. Uh, so that would be something that, that I, those three things, I say all that to say this is what I've learned from our agency. Foster parents have got to let siblings keep a connection. Absolutely. Like they're yeah. going to find each other in the future. No matter what. So yeah. why keep that time away from them? There was a lot of time lost. Yeah. Uh, a lot of behaviors that could have been avoided yeah. had they been given the opportunity to, to see each other. Also, I would say to foster parents, let the natural parents be a part. Even if there's TPR, uh, my son then after a while wanted to see his natural parents. Uh, I was scared. I was scared at first, but it was the best thing for him because I asked him why he wanted to meet them. And he said, I want to know why they gave me up. And at 15, he has that right. Yeah. He has that right to know. And I said, you know what? You're right. Let's go meet him. And so we did. And I said, you're going to be truthful with him because he deserves the truth. He deserves um, to know why. And that. And when we sat down, he said, I want to know why you gave me up. And we're going to be truthful with it. And it was healing for them. It was healing for him. Um, and we still maintain a relationship with his bio mother to this day. Like yeah. he came, she came to his graduation. And so far, our listeners that doesn't know what TPR means. It means termination parental rights. It's when the parents' rights are severed away from their child, and then that child's available for adoption. Another thing I learned that I use in my leadership is that um, when I asked him at one point, who do you trust? And he told me no one. And I said, well, why don't you trust me? Like, I do everything yeah. for you, right? Like, I get everything for you. I get whatever you want. I, you know, why don't you trust me? And he said, because of where you work, uh, which okay. meaning, meaning children's division. Yeah. And at that moment, I thought, wow, to hear it from my own son yeah. who lives yeah. with me day in and day out and doesn't yep. work because of my title. I felt like as a leader, I've got to make our staff aware that where we work it's so impactful to kids and it's going to go one of two ways. It's going to be very good or it's going to be very bad. Like we go out there, we take them from their family. We take them from all, all they know. We have to be, um, you know, 
sympathetic, empathetic with them and their feelings. Like, can you imagine how scared they are? Kids are to go to a strange place. I tell my workers all the time, can you imagine walking in a stranger's home and feeling comfortable sleeping there? You Mm -hmm. don't know what bathroom to use. You don't know if you can get a drink of water. You don't know the rules. Like, like, can you imagine what it feels like as an adult? You would feel out of place, right? You would feel strange. So think of a little nine-year-old or seven-year-old or six-year-old who doesn't know these people. We have to be more sympathetic. Um, and, And when these kids act out, you know, it's a normal response. The trauma. It's not because they're bad kids. It's a normal response and they're scared, right? They're scared. I can remember one of the very first um, issues we had with him, and I got him a watch for Easter, and he took wore it to school, and it, the alarm kept going off, and the teacher was like, "Put your, put your watch up." I mean, it's just yeah. a normal thing, right? Put your watch up, and it kept going off, and she's like, "If it goes off again, I'm gonna take the watch." Went off again. She took the watch. Emmett went ballistic, flipping right. over tables, throwing scissors at the teacher. Now. And a, a normals, when I say normal, you know what I mean? Yeah, not yeah. somebody who's a kid who's not been through trauma would get their watch at the end of the day. Right. But to Emmett, somebody who had given him something that he's never had, somebody who says they care about him, and now it is taken away from him, it's not about the watch, right? It's no. about, you know, someone supporting him and that, and that being taken away. Absolutely. Yeah. I think... Um, what you just said and the advice, that's really good advice for all of our foster homes and, and, and future foster families because something that you have because you work for the agency and you can connect your adopting Emmett experience to the work we do with Children's Division, a lot of foster families don't understand that, right? They're getting mm-hmm. the call from the school, right. oh, you know, yeah, my right. foster kid's acting out and they're behavioral and Let's send them to residential, right? Mm-hmm. And and that is a lot of of the the aftermath yes. of something like that mm-hmm. happening. Um, so you bring a very um, great perspective, and I know I work with Pam every day, um, and she has the ability to go around and talk to our staff about this story, her story, Emmett's story. Um, and she's done meetings with our current foster homes, some of them in the Southeast region. And um, my hope is that um, they they all can learn from from your experience. And I think it's not only your experience with adopting Emmett, but your experience with working for the for the agency, because um, we're constantly saying right and trying to coach and train our foster families to consider trauma, right? To, um, you know, take a breath and use your coping skills and do self-care and all these things. Um, And some of these behavioral um, outbursts and things we get calls on is deeper than that. And I think your example with the watch, it's very simple, but it is deeply rooted. And Mm -hmm. I think, and I hope all of our listeners um, are hearing that. And that's what I was wondering when you were talking about that. So what kind of things did you do um, in your home and things like that to help Emmett? Um, 
be more comfortable, to be more comfortable coming into a strange home? Or how did you structure things for him um, since he had so much history? What did you do? You know, what did you do? Well, let me say in the beginning. So our, our case uh, had, to, had to go to a contracted provider because not, not with Children's Division because of, of where I work, you know, that I work for Children's Division. But um, so in the beginning, the first option was residential. They put him in residential twice. Uh, the first time was a week long and it didn't phase him a bit. Uh, he was just like, I'm glad I'm here and I don't have to go to school. Like, put me in yeah. here, you know. And so the second time they put him because um, it, it was a place at the hospital in Kennett. So it was right. I was right down the road from it. And the second time he, he was crying, like, get me out of here. I'll be good. Blah, blah, blah. Um, the third time they want to do it, I said, no. No, this is not the solution. Residential, him being in a hospital gown for a week is not a solution. Um, so you take a kid at school who's not in foster care, who 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 acts out, they do not get sent to residential. But for some reason, a kid in foster care does. Um, and so I said, no, we're not going to we're going to work through it. Right. And so the next time an incident occurred, Emmett was in his room packing his bag. And I walk in his room and I said, where are you going? And he said, well, I know you're about to ask me to leave your home because that's been his pattern, right? right. Every time he acted yep. out in a foster home, he was yep. asked to be leave. moved. Yep. And I said, unpack your stuff right now. I'm the one who's leaving this house, meaning in the backyard, so right. I could cool off, yeah. not leaving him. Um, and he, I remember the look on his face like, wait, what? Like, you're, I'm not leaving? Needed you someone you not know, to give up on him. Uh, he yeah, he needed somebody not to give up. And in every incident that he didn't get sent to residential, that somebody didn't ask him to be moved, yeah. the behavior, the bad behavior became less and less and less. So I think I think pulling from that, the advice would be hang on, hang on, hang on. And you know what foster families and future foster families out there, uh, be talking to your family support team, which is a team of individuals who are making decisions on behalf of a child, um, and reporting to the court and, and such, but speak up, Absolutely. speak up saying, Absolutely. no, my foster kid doesn't need to go to residential. And here's how we're going to work through this. Right. And we need, we need them to speak up. We are not always the experts. Um, you know, as a children's division employee, I can sit in an FST meeting and tell foster parents, well, here's what you need to do to foster that kid. Yeah. And they won't act like that. But when that kid is in your home and they're, they have those behaviors, they're throwing chairs, they're hitting their head on the wall. And Emmett did all those things in the beginning. Uh, it's different. You react different. Your adrenaline's pumping. Emotions are going on. And it's a lot different. Cool. Take some cool off time. Emmett and I finally learned. Now, one night I remember him going down the road. It was stormy, lightning. He's running down the road, and I'm thinking, oh, goodness, he's running away. Someone's yeah. going to call a hotline on me. The police are going to get called. You know, it's a mess. And I'm standing out in the road with the pouring down rain, and I see him peek from behind the house looking at me. First reaction was to run at him, right, and get oh, him. But right. I'm like, you know, get in the house. We'll talk about it later. And we finally learned to go to our safe spots. Both of us, 
Not just him. I needed a safe spot too, right? I needed a safe spot too. When you're ready to talk, not now when tempers are, are, you know, high, we'll talk. And there would be times he would come and say, are you ready? And I would be like, no. He would go back (laughs) to his patio. Mm -hmm. There would be times I would go to the patio and say, are you ready? And he would say no. And then we would still cool off and then finally come together and, and do it. And I'm telling you, the the incidents just it just was less and less. And I know on adoption day, I think he had three families interested in adopting him that backed out. So when I told him I wanted to adopt him, you know, I'm thinking, hey kid, I'm about to give you a great life. Like, why aren't you excited? And exactly. when I said, Hey, I'm gonna adopt you, he's like, Oh, okay. I'm yeah. thinking, wait, what? Like, I need a little more excitement from you. But let's look here. He had it done three times to yep. him saying yeah. he, that they were going to adopt him and they backed out. But on the day that it happened, it was a sense of relief for him that it finally went through. And even then, I would say probably two years ago, and Emmett doesn't show much emotion, right? He doesn't cry very much. And we were arguing with each other. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? Are you on drugs? You know, yeah. you, got, you got a girl pregnant. Like, what's going on in your life? You know, that you're that we're arguing yeah. so much. Typical teenage yeah, stuff. Right. Definitely. Typical right. teenage stuff. We were all teenagers once. Um, and he says, I'm afraid you're going to give me back. He's yep. 16. Yeah. And he still has that fear that it can happen, right? And And we do have adopted parents that give up. Absolutely. And, oh, yes. And, and the kids go back into the system. Yeah. But we have to, I personally, and I will talk to anyone who's feeling this way, have to work through it. It will get better. I had, I had some people not long ago who wanted to talk to me, and their kid was, it was Emmett all over again. The stories were so similar. I'm like, I know this sounds crazy, but it's normal for this yeah. foster child to act like this. <laughs> like, the, these are the stages that they're going through. And they're like, this kid is far too gone. I'm like, no, 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 no. There are no kids far too gone. Because if you would have looked at Emmett back in the day, you would have said the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think something, Pam, that you're highlighting is we need support. Our foster families need support. Right. And the best support is other foster families and adoptive families. And I mean, what would have happened if they hadn't have talked to you about that situation, right? They would have thrown up their hands and said, I give up. Get him out of my home. Absolutely. Get him out, you know. And I I had a couple of mentors. Benita Gregory is one. Yeah. Uh Constituent department. She had adopted a son. And she's like, you know, she mentored me the whole way. My my teammates, uh, you know, I relied on a lot of people at work. It said, uh, shout out to Carolyn Gerber, uh, who recently Mm -hmm. passed circuit manager 25th, who adopted and was like, it'll get easier, I promise. And I needed those people. Absolutely. I've gone through the same thing. Even though I worked for Children's Division, I needed those people who had been through it. Absolutely. And we we do have some opportunities for um, mentors out there for our foster families. And we do have what's called um, the the Ambassadors Program. And those are current foster families who really mentor, mentor other foster families. And, um, and it's a good avenue to get connected to a experienced foster parent that can just guide you and show you the ropes and be a phone call away to really support you. And we need more of them. So um, I guess another plug and shout out is if we have foster families listening 
to this podcast and you want to be an ambassador, um, please, uh, you know, you can look on our dss.mo.gov site um, and just Google ambassadors, or you could literally just call any local children's division office, ask for a, a resource supervisor, and we can get you connected. Um, sorry, I have to do that plug because oh, yeah. we need more we need mentors, we need you know. Uh, so Pam, you, your experience is so, um, I think not only unique, but so worthwhile for our listeners to, to hear. Um, and, and I really appreciate you just sharing and being vulnerable, um, about this. Um, but I'm going to ask you, I'm going to try to put you in the mind frame of what would Emmett say? Okay. Um, so what advice do you think Emmett would give future foster families that are looking to foster? Yeah, so I know exactly what Emmett would say in our presentation. I had him talk at the end of it. And and I didn't I didn't coach him. I just let him uh put it in his own words. But um to the workers, he says keep siblings together, of course, because yeah. that was his story of of not. Um to the foster parents, he says don't give up. That's all he says. Don't, don't give, give up. up. Yeah. And that's that's all the advice you need is don't give up because these kids have been given up on time and time again. And to not give up will result in our journey, which is um, a kid who's amazing, uh, productive. He's, yeah. he's working as a correctional officer at the Charleston prison. Right. So I was going to ask never how, how Emmett is now. Uh, at one point I thought he might've been in the correctional <laughs> facility, uh, <laughs> but he's amazing. And, um, you know, no medication, um, you know, your typical kid who wants money all the time. Right. And right. You know, he does keep a clean room, so I can't say that, but, <laughs> Uh, he's just an amazing human. And I, I told him, you know, I don't know why you went through what you went through. I don't know why kids go through what they go through, but I have told him that his story will help other kids. Uh, and he tells the kids too, on that podcast, there's somebody to adopt you. No kid is is unadoptable. Absolutely. No kid. There is somebody. And not only is Emmett's story impacting and helping other kids, they're helping, it's helping other foster families. It's helping our own children's division staff because you're sharing it. And I think uh, that we need to hear more of those stories. It gives us hope. If you don't give up, hang on. If you're a foster parent. And I think for Emmett, um, Trauma is very significant mm-hmm. for all of our foster kids. Trauma is significant, but, and that's forever, right? I yeah, assume, Pam, that's forever. forever. He's going to always have some triggers probably and, and flashbacks, but he, um, you know, he's used some coping skills that he has had over the years and a lot of therapy that they put him through. Uh, we know when I got him, he's like, I'm done with therapy. I'm done with medicine. I'm done. I said, you know what? Okay. Okay, we'll we'll stop all that. But the minute, you know, not a not a difference at that time because he had been through so much. But I can remember I was having a bad day one day, and he says, "On a scale of zero to ten, I love there it. you go. <laughs> what what is your mood today? And what can you do to move it up a notch or two?" I'm like, "Have you been to Have you been to work for Children's Division? Yeah. Like, you know, signs of safety, whatever. Like he's using our own assessment our on on me." Um, and so he's used some of that skills, but 
He's just an awesome human. I'm, I'm so glad that I call him son and he will text me out of the blue every now and then and say you're the best parent ever. Oh, and then that's, I mean, that's, you know, I was not perfect by any means. We had our, we had our issues. Yeah. Uh, but overall, the look back where he was and where he is now is just phenomenal. And, sure. and, and it's not that I was this great parent, right? It's not right. because even when you have babies, the natural babies, they don't come with this book that tells no, you what to do, right? No, and they sure don't if they come at 11 <laughs> and have and trauma. They sure, you know, yeah. no, it, it's not. But the consistency and staying with them is the key. Not giving up. You can't yeah. give up. Even if you need a break. I took I took him to family members and other people plenty of times. I'm like, I just can't. I got to yeah. get away from you right now. Uh, but he always knew I was coming back. Right. He always knew I was coming back. And then behaviors get less and less and less. I read something one time where it says, um, I don't want to foster because I'll get attached. Yeah. We want you to get attached. Right. Absolutely. We want you to get attached to the kids. Yeah. And even if the kids go back to their parents, you can still be in their life. Right. Forever. Absolutely. Forever. And we would recommend that, right? Absolutely. Definitely. And we've even interviewed on this on this podcast yeah. some foster families that have done just that, right? They've stayed connected and um and that's what we'd want, those permanent connections forever. Because the more people we can surround a, a especially a foster Absolutely. kid, but I'd say any child for that matter. But um the more people we can corral around them, the better citizens they're going to be, the more productive they're going to be, the more love they're going to be able to give. Um, just so, so very important and so very important for our foster kids, right? Um, I uh, We're starting to wrap up now, but I think uh, I really want to end on this question and I'm trying to think about how to word it. Um, so Pam, if I was someone who was interested in fostering okay, and through... Throughout all your trials and tribulations you've had with Emmett and eventually adopting um, through everything you shared with us, what advice would you give me if I, if I come to you and I say, I'm really, I'm really looking at fostering. I just don't know. What would you say to me? Here's what I would say to you. People tell me all the time, you changed Emmett's life. And here's what I say to them. No, he changed my life. I love that. And so if you want to change your life for the better, then I would absolutely recommend fostering. It, it will give you a, um, you know, people think I can't love a kid. Like, that's not my own. Not true. I love Emmett as if he were my own from the day he came into this world. Like he is mine. Hands down, he is my son. And, um, you know, just to know that I helped him get to where he is today makes me makes me proud, makes me a proud person, makes me a proud human that I've helped someone else. This is why we're here on this earth, to help other people and to that help our most vulnerable yes. kids. Like, why would you not want to do that? Why would, why would you, not? you not want to change a life? Because it will absolutely change your life. I think um, on that note, um, 
those of you, if you, if you truly are interested in fostering, and I hope that when you listen, you hear Pam's story and her son's story, and you, you pick up the phone or you get on the internet, go to dss.mo.gov backslash CD backslash foster dash care, or you can contact 1-800-554-2222, or truly you can call any local children's division office and we will get you connected and start the process. Um, you can also find us on Spotify, Apple, Facebook, and Instagram, and many, many more. Um, we hope that you join us next month. Uh, we're going to continue to do this in hopes that we can get more foster families. So if you want to change someone's life and in return change yours, make, make a phone call. the Department of Social Services, we are dedicated to inspiring more Missourians to help us provide quality, loving homes to the children in our care. Help us reach our future foster parents by leaving a review, subscribing, and sharing this podcast on your social media platforms.